this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. Welcome to Feature Coop, colon. <laughs> Built-in microwave. Semicolon. John Ham Can't Mime and Other Weird Dreams. All right. This one is, uh, you've, been, you've been really looking forward to this one, and I'm actually kind of excited about it, too. I have. Um, yeah, so. Um, I totally, I totally have been looking forward to this one because I have lucid dreams and I also have like very complicated dreams that are part of a larger narrative and that sort of like carry forward over time. So uh-huh. I pick up where I left off or, um, recently I've had this really like super detailed, complicated alternate world that I travel to in my dreams. Um, that actually has like a geographic layout that uh-huh. is consistent yeah. But it's completely made up. Right. So this place right. doesn't exist at all. Um, virtual my, reality in your head. Total virtual reality reality in my head. But I have a map sketched out. And at some point, we should like post some of this stuff as supplemental to our episodes on our website. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, just for visual effect. Uh, so the, the first dream that I wanted to talk about is this dream that I had... I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago at this point uh-huh. um, that involved John Hamm having a like total meltdown, like a breakdown, just like a life stopping show ending breakdown. Um, uh-huh. And in the dream, I uh, I walk into this house and, uh, you know, like the Harry Potter stairs like or the Harry Potter space under the stairs like yeah. in big old houses the the stairwell that's built into the side of the wall with open space on the other side of the stairwell mm-hmm. so like I, a closet words, under the stairs a closet under the stairs yeah like yeah. a broom closet usually right. so i walk into this house and i'm walking toward the broom closet so it's right in front of me uh-huh. and uh and inside the broom closet at the tallest end yeah um, cause it slants as the stairs come down Sure. It, at the tallest end is, uh, a little dressing table, uh-huh. a little makeup table with a three way folding mirror, like a vanity, a vanity. Uh-huh. Yes. For some reason I can never remember to call them a vanity. I don't know why. I don't think I'd ever call it. My grandmother just referred to them vanity so many times that I was like, okay, that's what it's that's, called. It's called a vanity. Yeah. I think you're right. But I always think of a vanity in the bathroom for some reason. Anyway. Sure. Um, so John Hamm is like sitting at this tiny table. And when I say tiny, I mean like child size. Uh-huh. Like yeah. it's made for like a little girl or, right. you know, somebody yeah. playing dress up. A child playing dress up doesn't have to be a girl. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> it is, uh, it's a dark colored wood, uh-huh. this vanity. Yeah. Um, in fact, the whole space under the stairs is rather dark. There's a bare light bulb hanging. Okay. Of course um, there is. Yeah. It's all wood, like woodwork. So it's unpainted wood, but it's finished. Um, yeah you know, varnished, a uh, sort of dark color. Yeah. The, the house itself is very nice. Okay. The space under the stairs is just a bare light bulb over this tiny vanity. Yeah. The vanity is maybe 24 inches tall. I okay. mean, like you really have to get down near the ground. Okay. Like, sure. Yeah. Talking kids, little table. Like an party. adult would be hunched over at this point. Very much to... hunched over. Like, like knees up under your chin kind of. Okay. Gotcha. Real close to the ground. Oh. Um, the, Vanity itself is is like very dark and dingy. Um, it still has all three mirrors, uh-huh. uh, and splayed across the work surface, the tabletop of the vanity is a bunch of like stage makeup, like pancake makeup. Yeah, none of it is handled uh, hygienically. It's just a mess. Okay, sure. Um, yeah. There's a lot of smudges of different colors and different colors. There's yeah. a can like a cake pan of white. You know, um, like white pancake makeup. Yeah, and also black pancake makeup. Uh-huh. And um, sitting, the door is is propped open, like it's open all the way, so I can see yeah. all the way forward in, in into the crawl space. Um, and up on the walls are like all sorts of photographs, black and white photographs mostly uh-huh. of like Marcel Marceau or other famous mimes, maybe the mime from The Sims 
downer party is there? Oh, who sure. knows <laughs> like there's just it's just a collection of all of the mimes that my brain can think of yeah and it's injected them into like old-timey photos uh-huh. that are lining the walls and they're very haphazard it kind of looks like you know when like there's <laughs> They're trying to put together a serial killer, or if you've seen the the movie A Beautiful Mind, where there's just all these clues that have you know like red yarn going from one to the other, yes, like just yeah. layers and layers and layers of crap on the walls. Yeah. This is what it looks like without the serial killer like red stripes everywhere. Sure, right. Uh, it's just photographs, lots of aspirational photographs, uh-huh. and sitting hunched over the table, uh-huh. like. I mean, really hunched, like yeah. balled up in a tiny, sit perched on a tiny little child's chair uh-huh. in front of this tiny child's dress up vanity is John Hamm uh-huh. with like his hair is like greasy and sort of hanging. Uh-huh. Um, the antithesis to his character in Mad Men. He's just this destroyed man. Uh-huh. Uh, he's coming apart at the seams. He's got his head in his hands. Uh-huh. He's got mime makeup smeared everywhere okay and you know how like mimes have like the white face makeup but then they've got like the the black vertical stripy things like on their eyes yes yeah. um he's got that but because of the crying yes and the holding the head in the hands he's kind of smeared it all over his face so uh-huh. it has the effect of like like if tammy faye baker cried off all of her mascara okay <laughs> it's just everywhere yeah and john ham is miserable and i'm like it becomes apparent to me because dream yeah. that what is happening here is that John Hamm has had some kind of a grotesque midlife crisis uh-huh. and is now in the throes of giving up his acting career to become a mime. Great. Yeah. I think externally what may have influenced this uh-huh. is the television show Baskets, which Zach Galifianakis uh-huh. uh, has written and produced and stars in along with Louis Anderson, where he plays twin brothers, one of whom is a rodeo mime, not yes. a rodeo clown. Right. But he takes it very, very seriously and st- like apparently studied miming in France or something. Yeah. And so I think around the time that I had this John Hamm, you can't mime, John Hamm can't mime. Uh, dream. I I think I was watching Baskets, which is where the mime thing came from. Okay, sure. But it was just apparent from you know the condition of John Hamm in this state uh-huh. that he was never going to be a mime, nor should he try. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like, p- really great acting is not becoming a mime so that you can be a mime in a TV show like Zach Galifianakis. Yeah. It's just being more John Hamm. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so I like. I I walk in and here he is like struggling through this like uh-huh. crisis <clears throat> and apparently because I'm there I'm the one who's there to help him because uh-huh. there's nobody else around it's just me and John Hamm in that little dressing table that sad sad little table and all those mime photos and so I I like sternly lecture him I'm like John Hamm John Hamm you can't you cannot be a mime you cannot give up your acting career to be a mime. And I sit there and like lecture him and he's just like wailing and sobbing uh-huh. and like throwing his little makeup around and like having a little fit. Yeah. And I'm sort of like, you know, slapping my hands together. John Ham, John Ham, you cannot give up your acting career to be a mime. And I'm just kind of like, pull it together, buddy. You know, yeah. I'm giving yeah. him like the stern pep talk, like uh-huh. the tough love pep talk. And it's, he's kind of coming around. Um, I don't remember if by the end of the dream I was successful or not. Sure. But he was just in like like a totally broken, anguished man. And I remember waking up and sort of like laughing at it because it was just so absurd. Uh-huh. But also like that is exactly probably what I would do if I actually encountered John Hamm in a weird house having a crying fit. I'd be like, John Hamm, pull it together. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. So yeah, that that one didn't take place that I know of in the weird alternate like geographical dreamscape that I have. The like, current the current the sort current, of sandbox you've been working on. The current sandbox I've been working on exactly. My sure. Sandbox. Yeah. Yeah. Um, John Hamm. I don't think was in any. It it was never revealed to me in the dream that the place that we were in was some place I was familiar with. It just happened to be yeah a crawl space under the stairs. And in the dream, the stairs slant like when I'm walking down this hallway, this uh-huh. big hallway towards the towards the little broom closet. The stairs descend from 
right to left as I'm looking at the closet. So from the top right uh-huh. down to the left over John Ham's head and down to the first floor is the way that the stairs go. Just, okay. Just for reference. Just for reference. And when I cleared the end of the hallway, uh-huh. like it was a T intersection basically. Uh-huh. And so I could have turned left or right to avoid John Ham. Sure. But I never did. I never even looked left or right to see what else was there. It was just, I'm heading straight for John Ham. And when I got there, I was like, pull it together. Right. <laughs> so weird like you were just on a mission like you you knew why you were here and this is where you were going or it's like I, as i approached it became evident like that all that's of a sudden i was like yeah. well, john ham what is going on here uh-huh you can't do this right it was really weird but i have no idea what i was doing in the house how i got there as if you had sort of recognized him and then you it occurred to you oh yeah. i need to go i is that john this ham this will not stand i need to go yes <laughs> i think john ham is over there in that broom closet having a breakdown at a child's table sure yeah <laughs> what is he wearing makeup <laughs> what's going on in there john ham john ham you cannot that is that's hilarious yeah um you had you also I, had yeah, a famous so person dream you've told me about this john ham dream uh, John Ham dream several times uh, mm-hmm. since we've known each other, and uh, it's very vivid. Like it's just it is, so yeah. It it like lodged in my memory the way that something that actually happened to me would right. have. I mean, a lot of my dreams are extremely vivid, so I remember them. Yeah. So I've I've had this funny thing about um, my dreams in my life, where when people talk about dreams, oftentimes, um, especially if they talk about so to be more specific as a more specific example, um, I remember many years ago now, someone saying that discussing whether people dream in black and white or not ah. and being really kind of adamant. I don't remember if they were adamant that we really only dream in black and white or um, oh, that's totally they weren't true. really sure. Well, no, of course not. Um, but I remember the dream that I had later either that week or that night after the discussion and in the dream, um, I'm climbing some mountain, uh, not like, I'm not like rock climbing or like, you know, it's not a, I'm not in the Alps or anything. I'm maybe here in Southern California in some kind of desert sandstone kind of rock or sure. granite, like that sort of rose granite or that sort of, um, orange rust stained granite yeah. that we have around here. And, um, but in the dream it's black and white. Ah. I, I know what color it is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And so my brain is telling me, but then in the dream, I can consciously recognize that that information is black and white and that I'm just sort of filling in that it has color. Oh, and so funny. I'm, so I'm kind of climbing, crawling and walking and hiking. And, and at some point I kind of come around this boulder and I look down and there's this massive, like very bright vivid flower um not a natural flower not a not an existing flower in the sense that you would find it it was i i would say it was at my feet about maybe three foot radius um Mm -hmm. with petals and it was sort of blue and yellow and green Um, yeah very large and also um as in a dream Mm-hmm. was the shape of a three-dimensional flower but the consistency of um you know those uh sand mandalas that uh monks yes. draw sometimes and then they sweep away so yeah. it had the consistency of that sand as if i could touch it and pick it up and it would just be colored sand Interesting. um yeah and but it was just very brightly colored and it was in and in the dream i remember being like yes you absolutely can dream in color or black and white that's up to you it's your that's it's your funny. dream you do what you want um so that the reason i mentioned that is to kind of put in context of this dream that i was going to tell you that i've told you about already right um and <laughs> and I, I i jokingly say oh in jealousy of you having a dream about some famous movie star um it's not really i, I it's it's more just like that sort of implantation or subconscious, like we've talked about it, we've talked about it. And then at some point, so very recently I had this dream and um, it's such a funny dream because I basically in the dream, I was maybe in Pittsburgh or Philadelphia. It's a little unclear. I was, I, I was there to either go to school or do some kind of um, conference or something. So Uh it was kind of in and around some academic institution um, I was, I had, uh, some boat shoes on, um, 
or just some like, slick bottom yeah. kind of rubber soled shoes. And, and as you do in a dream, you just decide that, well, those slide pretty well. And I bet I could basically ice skate on surfaces like asphalt and granite or asphalt and pavement. And, uh, and so at some point I'm, um, I'm, I'm essentially just roller skating around or rollerblading, but just in my boat shoes sliding right, along, like gliding. I'm kind of gliding <clears throat> along, but it, the, the experience is, it is as if you were roller skating. And, uh, and I was, I was going around the, I was going around to the different buildings and the different places in town that I needed to do, um, whatever it was I was doing there. And again, in the dream, that's all the detail I have. I don't sure. know what I was doing there. It feels very real as if I had gone to these things and done whatever it was. But mm -hmm. if you ask me what it was, I, I don't know. I wasn't there. Like I, you know, that, that part was cut from the movie slash dream. Sure. Um, it doesn't matter. Irrelevant. So at some point I'm kind of skating down this um, slight incline of a hill, this street, and I can see up ahead of me um, a man on rollerblades and a woman on a bicycle, like a um, racing bike. And they're, you know, and she's kind of keeping pace with him. And and he's kind of, you know, he's got knee pads and arm and elbow pads and a helmet on and mm -hmm. um, looking, you know, looking like a novice rollerblader, someone who's trying to kind of get their, their find their <laughs> way around it. And, uh, and so as I get closer, the woman on the bicycle sort of swerves off and crosses the street still kind of, and kind of goes ahead a little bit. Um, <clears throat> I think maybe she saw someone that she was going to go talk to. And so the person on the rollerblades now I can see is a little bit thrown off by this and mm -hmm. is starting to lose their balance. And as I come up, I can see that they're going to fall. And so I, I try to come up behind them and sort of catch them or help like, slow them down or alleviate the, like the worst of the fall. And so, um, so what happens is I, I come up behind the person, the person is kind of like flailing their arms and we both kind of fall down onto the table. Like yeah. And we both kind of like, <laughs> like, like fall into a pile on the, um, on the side of the road. And, and then, and this person is Alan Tudyk and he sits up and he looks at me and then he looks across the road and he goes, Sarah, 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 I've been in a scuffle. Oh my God. And so I'm, and so the last <laughs> feeling I have before I wake up is just this sort of mild outrage that I'm being blamed. And I'm like, we didn't have a fight. I'm not, I'm not, there was no scuffle. There was no, there was scuffle. no scuffle. It's not my fault. I'm trying to help you. Um, anyway, so that was my, my interaction with Alan Tudyk in my dream. And it was just Great. very hilarious. Was he wearing um, like super tiny shorts or anything hilarious like that? Um, yeah, I, like I picture him in a yellow tank top and those like yes. red dolphin shorts from the 80s. That's funny. Um, probably not that far off. I, the shorts part are less yellow for sure. Um, some kind of yellow shirt. Uh, and then really the thing, the, the distinguishing features were the elbow pads and the knee pads. Oh my gosh. And that's the main thing, right? Just sort of overgeared, overgeared. Probably. I think the helmet had come off because um, I in the dream when we're, when he's sitting up and he's basically ignoring me and yelling at Sarah about the scuffle about the scuffle, right? The scuffle that, that he's just happened. had, right? He's had it. It didn't happen. He had a scuffle, right? I mean, right. anyway, um, he had a scuffle. Yeah. Sarah, Sarah, I've been in a scuffle. I've been in a scuffle. Yeah. Oh my um, God. Or I just had a scuffle. Anyway, it was very, uh, it, it's, <laughs> it's kind of stuck with me, but the thing that I really like about both of these dreams is that we've spent, um, oftentimes like friends will like quote movies at each other yes. and now we kind of quote dreams to each other, yes. which is a little bit hilarious. You cannot become a mime. Yeah. You cannot give up your career to be a mime. <laughs> I've been in a scuffle. Yeah. So, Oh, that's so great. Um, and I, yeah, he's dreams are such a really interesting thing. I, I think this is kind of a good point about talking about um, how one might remember your dreams. Mm. Cause I think that oftentimes when we bring this up around other friends, they, one of their more immediate reactions is that they how do you remember this yeah 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 i mean yeah like i i i remember dreams that i've had long 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 time ago because uh -huh. somehow and i have no idea why they like imprint as if they're actual memories of things that i've experienced awake yeah yeah i and maybe that's because I'm really comfortable with like absurd things. Mm -hmm. Like uh, we talk, Ned and I talk about how we're uh, 
we're sometimes a little bit different from other people that we spend time with because they appear to have a very, what they believe is a very firm grasp on the nature of reality. And then, and I are like, well, I mean, this is how it appears right now. Like it, it, it could change any time. And so we have a much looser grip on. Yeah. It's, I, 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 that's exactly how I would describe it, but I fear that that's not the, the thing that's not the thing because if some if someone like i'm an atheist Mm -hmm. was kind of raised that way i I wasn't raised you're an atheist it was just i was raised without like in the true tradition of of, in the true tradition of atheism i have no theism right i wasn't raised with theism i know about it Mm -hmm. i don't have it wasn't something that i spent a lot of time immersed in or um, attempting to believe sure. or attempting to have faith in or studying or, or studying. Yeah. I not mean, not even I'm, incidental, not even incidental. I mean, now as an adult, like I'm, I'm, you know, I, I want to know about other people's cultures and I, yeah. you know, want to be able to be respectful and be well received and not be walking around punching people in the face, sort of socially, <laughs> so to speak. Right. So, you know, socially it's assaulting a, people. yeah, socially assaulting people. I mean, you have your, your beliefs and your feelings anyway, yeah. uh, getting off track. My point being is that, um, <laughs> I I think our our sense of reality is that we're very um we're it, it like we're just it is the way that it is and we're always trying to refine it and make sure that our understanding of reality is as close to the nature of reality as we can get. We're very curious about that. We are very curious. But we're not um but we're not holding it to that. Yeah, we don't have expectations. Yeah, we don't have a lot of expectations that it goes. a certain way. I mean, way there's the expectations in like the biological way, like every time I breathe in, I'm going to get air. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's but things. Not I, that. It's not, <laughs> not, not like that. anxiety ridden in the sense that it's like, well, this could be my last breath. Well, this one's going to be last breath. No, this is no, going to be. be, I mean, this next I time, get there if I drink coffee. Abs- oh, coffee. Absolutely. <laughs> Coffee's just like, okay, all breaks are off. All anxiety, <laughs> all worries panic. right now. Panic. You're have panic about things you never even thought about before now. Yeah, yep. Right now. Um, <laughs> anyway. But I think I think the point being is that um, I think we both recognize that reality is very fungible for lots of people. Yeah. Um, and so... It it's, means different things to different people. <laughs> it means different things to different people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a uh, direct quote from uh, Chan Silent Bob reboot. Yeah. Oh, so good. So um, there's... Uh, I I think what I want to get at is that um, we're pretty we're pretty open to the idea of like entertaining ridiculous stuff. Yeah, and so it's a lot easier to um, when your dreams. I mean, a lot of I had flying dreams for years and years and years, and they just really um, fluctuated back and forth between being able to fly, being able not to fly, having you know characters in my life who are in like majorly interfering with my ability to fly. Um, and this isn't the flying was such a weird thing. Cause it's not, it's not that superhero thing. It's more like perspective. Yes. It's just sort of being able to look at things from a, like really high up mm-hmm. and see things differently. Um, or a feeling of weightlessness. Um, and I, like you, I have memories of dreams going way back in my life. Um, I have periods of times where there are dreams that I've forgotten and some dreams have like stuck with me as being more particularly um, poignant. Yeah. I guess like I, I'm remembering one dream I had uh, when I was maybe 20 and I was living in England and I remember how it made me feel. It was sort of um, essentially I was driving around in a car with my friends and the landscape we were driving on was my my face. Oh my God, that's bizarre. And I would be, so this, to give a sense of scale, um, the car was probably about the size of um, like a pinhead maybe. Okay. You know, quite small. Um, so there's a lot of, and and then my face was, do you know what like a point map is or better yet would be um, imagine, imagine like a human face yeah. and then lots of points are like stretched out into these long spikes mm-hmm. as you would like in a, like you'd see a face in sort of a 3d rendering yeah. as just the skin and not like the human skin, but like just the, 
just a sort of two-dimensional surface that's then then been mapped as like a piece of paper over over the three-dimensional shape Are of it. Are we thinking about the ones like with the geographic or geometric shapes? Yeah, like geometric shapes. Yeah, but and then if you've ever seen like a geometric glitch where some point point like shoots out, right? But mm-hmm. just a single point and then all the rest of the rest of the um are you the thinking, 3D rendering is this kind of same. like when you press your face into one of those nail things? Yes, kind of like that, um, except that the face is there. Yeah, so if you put your face into one of those those nail boards that mm-hmm. um, you the can use to do a 3D, yeah, to create a 3D impression. Right. Um, so imagine that, but then, so you have the face and then some of the nails have been poked all the way through, so they're much higher than the other ones. Sure. And so the image, so you have like the overriding face face feature mm-hmm. with a bunch of like spikes poking out okay and so in the dream <laughs> i'm driving around um with my friends and we're driving this vehicle and also everything is sort of gold like the surface is made of gold okay but colored enough like textured like the, like a face like human face and uh and we're driving around and and all of this feels incredibly real it's just this is the nature of reality so right now. So when you now say it's textured like a face, are you saying it's unlike like a like a gold mask on a sarcophagus in that it's got like pores and yes, hair yes, and it like has, fine detail? It's, it's not smooth. It's not smooth. Yeah. Um, it's it's almost as if as if it's just it's human skin. It's a human face. Mm-hmm. But someone told you, well, that's gold. That's made of gold. Okay. Or whatever the feeling is when you like when you think of gold like when i think of gold like when i hold it i think of like a heavy non-corrosive semi-soft metal yeah like not quite lead it's sort of it's it's easier to dent than Mm -hmm. other metals Mm -hmm. um, or to scratch or mar um so that like that's the property of it but if you look at it you wouldn't know it just looking at it sure you just kind of know it as being one of the properties yeah like you know that a desk is hard like the wood on a desk is you know a flat sure. surface even though you're not touching it in this moment yeah um and it doesn't you know anyway so we're driving around and and, and so in the dream um there's some importance in that i can, i know that i can't drive to all the peaks yeah but i need to drive to some of them okay and so that's that's like a big part of the dream is that i'm driving like we're driving like up one peak yeah we're on one mission we're on a mission and driving up one of the peaks is really important and seeing all the other peaks as these like potential places that i might be able to go mm-hmm. but i i don't get to go to all of them and so i need to be a little bit cognizant of that okay and not Do you know, waste can my you time identify which ones you're supposed to be at and which ones you're not no they're all just really tall peaks that's so bizarre okay yeah and so that's part of the anxiety of it is that it's like but so the the problem of course is to be smart about which peaks you drive up and then the anxiety comes from well how do i know which ones are the ones i should be driving up oh man okay and it's just sort of we drive we're at one and i can kind of see down to the other i can see the other ones across the way i can see some are taller than others yeah but there's no there's no understanding of value of its height being important or its location being important or there being anything different from one peak or another that's like a version of hell it it, it is i mean it was a really strange time in my life um when i was living in england like i had just been homeless and now i wasn't homeless but i was living in this house with this um, woman that i was dating and, mm-hmm. um yeah it was a so how did it resolve i just i just it just ended i just woke up and it was just i remember just feeling like this is a really important dream um or there's something important from this that i'm trying to Mm -hmm. like think about like tell myself like or something that i need to kind of be thinking about um yeah yeah it was a that dream happened right around the same time um which i've told you this before which is that there was this point in my life where um i had I was going to bed and I was laying in bed about to fall asleep and I had this thought and I remember thinking how important this thought was and it was something that was really important to me personally um, and that I should go write it down so that it would be there for me in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I talked myself out of doing that saying, you know, basically thinking this is such an important thought that there's no way I would ever forget this. 
And I remember waking up and all I could remember was that I'd had an important thought and that it was really important that I write it down. And it was like the most important thing in my entire life. And I could not for the life of me remember what it was. That's great. Yeah. So I later, I later kind of, I think that what I arrived at later and kind of realized was probably what thought it was. Cause later when I had discovered this idea, um, it kind of hit me that that was probably what the thought was, or it kind of felt the same. Um, I'd read, so when I was reading a lot about ADHD, one of the problems, um, people have a lot of problems with, uh, or people who don't have ADHD and actually people who do have ADHD. But if you interact with someone who has ADHD, oftentimes it can be very frustrating because, um, the perception is they know what they're doing is wrong. Okay. Whatever their behavior, they know, um, especially in children, you know, that you find a child, you know, is coloring on the wall or coloring on the floor with a crayon. They know they're not supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. They know because you told them last week and you know that they can make the, like, they're not stupid. They can make the discerning difference and understand the consequences of coloring on the floor with the crayon beyond an adult imposing punishment. They can see the consequences of it being now there's a big splotch of color crayon on the floor that is not, that's out of place and needs to be cleaned up and it's going to be hard to, to remove. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but because of the nature of ADHD and the problem with um, having reduced access to prefrontal cortex and having executive functions, um, you, you know what's available or you know what your executive brain can tell you how to like can help regulate your thoughts and your actions by saying, Hey, this isn't the right thing to do. But because of ADHD, you don't have access to that. So even though you know the right behavior and what to do, that's overridden or lost to you as you're doing the action, because the only thing that matters is getting that crayon, the shape that you want or coloring, you know, oftentimes that behavior, it's like you tell that child, stop doing that. And they Mm -hmm. don't know why they were doing it. Right. I mean, they know why they were doing it and they know why it's wrong, but they couldn't make that distinction when it was, when they were doing it Yeah, because they don't have access to it. And so, um, the, the, I, the thing that I had told myself was that I, I already know what it is to do. I don't need to have anxiety about what it is I should be doing. Mm -hmm. I know what it is I should be doing. Yeah. And so I just need to tap into that and keep doing that. Now the fallacy of course is that I don't actually have access to that. And so I, I could have, in some ways it's great that I didn't really remember that yeah. because I could have spent a lifetime of trying to chase something that I never would have been able to do. Sure. Cause um, it's impossible. Yeah. It's impossible. Like I don't, I can cram all the information in my brain about how to be a perfect person and I'm never going to be able to do it because I don't have access to my executive functions at the time when you need it. Yeah. Right. And so instead I need to, I mean, there's, there's lots of solutions to this. Um, you know, one of the things that you talked about it where you're setting up your, um, we've talked about this in the past. I think one of our previous podcasts, we talked about, um, thinking about yourself in, in past, present and future tense mm-hmm. and doing things for your future self or setting yourself up, setting traps up to trap yourself into yeah. failing forward. Positive booby traps, po- positive booby traps. Right. And so yes. one of the things when I really have my life in order is that I have, um, you know, my keys, I put my keys always in the same place and I just right. spend you know, years of developing that habit. So they never go anywhere else. And so I generally don't lose my keys a lot, but I know that I have, um, that's a huge symptom of ADHD. And I know that I, I'm capable. Yeah. And I know that I'm capable of it. I've lost keys to a car. Um, I've had a couple of cars and a couple of years ago, I lost the keys to one of my cars, um, and literally lost them for six months. And that car did not move for six months. I love that. And where I found well, I them. I love that. It's funny because it's true and it's not me. Yeah, sure. No, and it's funny. I mean, it's also funny because the consequences <laughs> for me were not that terrible. Right. Um, it was a car. It was. It, it is a project car and it was something that I didn't need to drive regularly. And so they were just lost. <laughs> and I eventually found them in the pocket of a pair of pants that I was going to give away to Goodwill because they've been sitting in a Goodwill bag for six months. With your keys in them. With my keys in them. Brilliant. Yeah. So um, anyway, uh, I forget where I was going with this. Oh, but that, that dream and yeah. the, you know, and that kind of time in my life. Was, and the um, revelation, the revelation you had, you suddenly had all the answers, but forget to write them down. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. It's such a, it's kind of absurd, isn't it? it right. It is. It's sort of, um, I, I think the hardest thing for me was that for a while I thought, well, I just need more willpower. 
right? And that's true. The problem is, is that I don't have, it's not a matter of having low willpower or like low impulse control. It's a matter of that, that impulse, that impulse control can be short circuited biologically in a way that I don't, that I can't reliably have control over. That sounds frustrating. It's super frustrating. Yeah. It gets me in trouble in lots of weird ways. Um, like I, I appreciate that because I feel like I've had moments in my life where or periods of my life where what you're describing as normal for you has been a problem for me. But it's very short lived. Yeah. It, it has something to do with me being distracted or avoiding something. Sure. Or, like there's a direct cause. There's an identifiable cause usually. Yeah. And it's not just something that is always in the background. Yeah. And. Lots of people can relate to this. It's a very relatable thing yeah. because you can have you can be really mentally drained and then you find yourself in that situation where you don't have it's just imagine that you have that basically all the time. There are times when I don't um uh when things are very stimulating and new and novel, you get um, you're like firing on all cylinders. I'm firing all on all cylinders and that part of my brain, the executive function of the prefrontal cortex is is quite alive and working. So traveling is always good when it's new and novel and I'm going somewhere that I don't know. I'm I'm very stimulated and alert and I function very well in those environments. Mm-hmm. Um and so for the most part I I have almost no symptoms of ADHD. Yeah. Um it's when I'm trying it's just hard to establish a life, you know, living in the same place, doing the same thing day to day. Um, yeah. And so that's why I think a lot of people with ADHD are seen or perce- perceived as being like low impulse control because they're constantly triggering new and new and novel experiences in their life and things mm-hmm. are changing and it's very chaotic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's frustrating. I mean, that's kind of uh, one of those things that I've, I've, I've made that analogy about. I have a boat, not a car. Right. Yeah. Yep. Or, you know, I, I'm basically my expectation or other people's like societal expectation is that you drive a car on a road and stay in your lane and do your thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's lots of there's lots of room to thrive in this world in that way. Um, yeah. My problem is I've been trying to drive a boat down the freeway and it just doesn't move. So. Unless it gets dragged. Yeah. Unless someone comes along and drags it along for dragged, a little bit. Dragged, kicking and screaming. <laughs> right. Exactly. On the freeway. Yep. Um. I had uh, I had another dream I was going to tell you about too. Yeah, if we have time. Yeah. Um, so this one is a little bit. I mean, the John Hamm dream is weird, but not. There wasn't anything like fantastic about it. Like nobody was flying or sure. what have you. Yeah. It was just a very sad man, right? Who I'll probably never ever come across in real life, right? Um. So this other dream that I had is sort of the. I think it was the first. It was the first new dream that I had had in the dream land uh-huh. in my head. Yeah. Um, for a long time, I was in, there's like a bunch of university buildings. Yeah. And I was stuck in them uh-huh. and had a recurring dream every night for over nine months of my life. Yeah. And that's all, that's all the dreaming I did was the same dream where I was trapped in this university building and I had to get out. Right. Uh, I'll tell that dream another time, but. Um, the, once that dream worked itself out and I escaped from the building, the next thing that occurred to me in real life and in the dream, of course, is like, well, what's outside the building? Uh It turns out there's all kinds of shit outside the building. Right. Um, one of which is this very large beach and, uh, there's a pier that extends from the beach out into the ocean. Okay. Because this is, this, this place is on an ocean. Right. Salt water. Definitely an ocean, not a sea. Uh-huh. It's like it goes on forever in one direction. So um, we were out on the beach. There were a bunch of us. It was very sunny, but it wasn't particularly warm. Okay. Um, like I think people were wearing, you know, sweatshirts and jackets and things. It wasn't like we weren't out there in swimsuits. Okay, um, sure. It was breezy. It was windy. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had all, like a group of us at all that we all know in real life, yeah. had gone to the end of the pier to look out over it um but that's not where the dream starts the dream starts where we're already on the pier and we're trying to get back to the shore by walking back down the pier to the shore but a midsection of the pier about i don't know like eight feet wide or so Uh Uh oh i'm gonna sneeze maybe Uh oh okay i sneezed 
Off. Off off air. We cut off that. Air. Yeah. No, I'm back. All right. So um anyway, we're all trying to get back onto the onto the beach from the pier. And a good eight foot chunk of it has fallen apart. Um the section where the missing pier has fallen apart is over water that's maybe waist deep. It's not deep water. Sure. So there's no the distance from the pier down to the water is maybe about eight feet itself. Okay. So we're all standing on this pier and a bunch of semi unhelpful people have showed up with those boards that you stand on while you paddle around. Sure. The standing paddle, stand up paddle boards. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> they have come over to help people down from the far end of the pier onto a paddle board standing upright and they are rowing them across the eight foot missing section and then uh-huh. helping them back up to the pier on the far side so that people can continue walking down to the beach. Uh-huh. This is taking, this is a bad solution. This is a bad solution to this problem because most people could just hop down into the water and walk onto the shore themselves. It's not going to be too deep. Nobody's uh-huh. going to drown. The waves aren't too high. It's going to be fine. Yeah. But no, everyone's insisting we have to wait. We have to wait for the paddle board people. We have to wait for the them to help us and i'm like i'm not waiting for this uh-huh. and uh now i have a running nose from sneezing uh <laughs> and so um you and a friend of ours named dana uh-huh. and i think uh another friend of ours um cyan was there okay like it was the usual suspects of this group of people that we hung out with a lot um and uh you and dana have decided that you're gonna just you don't want to make waves and so you're gonna wait okay for that's the stupid uh, that does sound like me it sounds like you and it sounds like her. Yeah. Like, I, I agree with you that this is stupid, but I'm going to do it anyway because we don't want to piss anybody off or hurt anyone's feelings. And it's not going to be that big of a deal for us to yeah, just wait. Just kill and some I was like, here. well, I can't wait. And uh-huh. so I just jumped down and everybody's yelling at me like, what are you doing? That and sounds I'm like, like I'm you. I'm walking into shore. Yeah. Like, talk to me when you get here. Uh-huh. And so I'm like sopping wet from the waist down, but I like trundle into shore and uh-huh. I'm fine. And I'm standing there waiting for you guys for ever mm-hmm. and this like this whole thing with the paddle boards becomes this experience that they want to give to people yeah. you know now it's more about paddle boarding than it is about like just getting people off the stupid collapsing pier right right and um <laughs> and i'm standing on the beach and it occurs to me at some point that the whole reason we were at the beach was because we were on like either a work trip or we had something to do and we were going back to the hotel yeah um after we all made it off the pier and back onto the beach we were going to walk back to the hotel which was adjacent to the beach and we were going to go do something very important yeah and so i was kind of antsy about it and this was the last day that we had to be there for any reason and then we were spending the night in the hotel and then the following day we were all going to pack up and go home right it was pretty typical for us yeah so uh i want i was eager to like get to the having fun part and then not standing around on a broken pier and not doing any more work part and um as you guys kind of trickled off the pier and came in we were gathering together and we were heading back toward the hotel and sitting in sitting well actually at this point in the dream i hadn't recognized this this fine detail yet but so we get back to the hotel Uh the hotel is like a lot of buildings in my dreamland where it's almost like an MC Escher sure. sort of interior where there's uh, staircases that curve and you can't see where they lead to uh-huh. or like flying buttresses everywhere or just uh-huh. like very strange architectural features that uh-huh. don't actually have any purpose or maybe just um, obfuscate where the path leads or, um, you know, it, whatever. It's unimportant, but it's very complicated. These buildings are always very complicated. Lots of ups and downs. Yeah. Lots of doors everywhere. Um, maybe like the Winchester Museum or like Winchester House that has all of the mystery staircases that lead to nothing, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So uh, gives the quality in the dream of you never know what's going to be around the next corner. Okay. Sure. Anything can happen. Yeah. So we're all back at the hotel and we're trying to get some shit done so that we can have a good time. It's never really specified what that is. Something has something to do with a bathroom. Yeah. Like we need to use a bathroom. Right. But there's this old woman in the bathroom and she won't get out. And we're like, we'll just wait a few minutes. She can't be in there forever, but she's just in there. Uh-huh. She's just in there and she won't get out and we can't go in until she comes out and she won't come out until she's ready and we don't know what that's going to take because we're not really sure why she's in there and taking so long. Sure. And it occurs to me at this point uh, that 
uh, we have left a red folding wheelchair on the beach. It, uh, frustrating. It's parked on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> and we're really excited to get on to the next project uh-huh. as soon as this lady comes out of the bathroom. But because I drive a smart car yeah. and smart car in real life and a smart car in this dream it was the smart car the smart car that i own yes the smart car only seats two people and it has like a hatchback trunk but it's very tiny right um and so you have to be very very particular about this car when you pack it i've packed all sorts of things i've had construction materials i've had like uh fire pits Uh big ones you know big metal fire pits i've had all kinds of large items in this car nothing so large as a folding wheelchair Uh but i was like you guys i'm sorry to say this but you're gonna have to get started having fun without me because i need to go back to the beach and everybody's like what are you talking about and i was like we left the red wheelchair on the beach and we have to pack it first in the smart car it has to be the first thing that goes in because it's the largest item and if we don't pack it in first we will have no hope of fitting all of our luggage back in the car now Mind you, this the wheelchair wouldn't fit in anyway, obviously, but it will if we pack it first. Mm-hmm. And all of us can fit in the smart car together with all of our things as long as we just do it in the right order. Right. Yeah. First things first, before we fail, we have to get that wheelchair. Right. So I'm like, I got to go get the red wheelchair. Yeah. And everybody's bummed about it because we just can't seem to get started with the fun part of the weekend that we're supposed to be working at and uh-huh. Pierce falling down and throwing off our whole time schedule. And so I go back to the beach and I'm like, get started without me. I'll be right back as soon as I have the wheelchair yeah. by tomorrow. We're going to be so dragged out. We don't even want to deal with packing the car. Uh-huh. If I don't do it now, all of our future selves are going to be totally miserable. So I'm just going to do it. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. And I had to go get the wheelchair off the beach and like push it in the sand, uh-huh. <laughs> which of course like didn't work at all. Right, very inefficient. Totally inefficient. And then like it sort of gets to the end of the dream where like I'm coming back with the wheelchair and I get it in the car and then I come back in the hotel and that's basically where the dream (laughs) is. But I now like (laughs) in my mind I can Uh see this like wheelchair on this beach. Like it's a permanent feature now when I think of like drawing the map for my dreamscape. Right. That's the the wheelchair just lives on the beach. Right. Right. It's always there. Yeah. I, I'm almost envision in this dreamscape that there's a version of Meg over there fighting with the wheelchair in the sand trying to get it to its destination of the smart car. Right, just perpetually. Yeah, perpetually. I'm just stuck with that wheelchair while you guys are in the hotel waiting for a lady to yeah. get out of the bathroom. Um, I've actually never asked you this before. Who owns the wheelchair? I don't know. None of us need it. Yeah. It's just like there. But it's an integral part of, I mean, obviously it needs to be packed first. We so have to take important. it back with us, yes. Yeah. As, the, as you do in a dream. I don't know who it belongs to. Yeah. That's a really interesting question. I find, um, I find in my dreams, I've always appreciated, there's a certain quality of like my, like a certain abstraction that I'm removed mm-hmm. from where I feel everything as if it's real, but there's a part of me that knows that it's not. Um, interesting. And so there's a part of me that's just observing what's going on the interaction yeah um and that's usually in the state where i i find dreams are so interesting at least my dreams i have this experience of sometimes having really inappropriate reactions to things like especially like emotional reactions where um something somebody does something nice for me and it's just the the sheer hatred i feel or the anger (laughs) or the rage that i feel about it or um you know, things that are just really like disproportionate the way, the way that, um, young children are still learning to regulate, their regulate their, mood emo- their mood management and regulate their, um, experience of things. Uh, it sort of feels like that sometimes. Yes. Where something just kind of benign has just brought me to tears of joy or, you know, just the <clears throat> kind of like the, just the, this sort of disconnect between the the experience of of the dream reality yeah. and the emotions that I'm feeling in re- respect to it. Yes. It's just kind of hilarious to me. That wheelchair dream, yeah. I, I woke up like belly laughing at uh-huh. the absurdity and the absolute typicality of the dream. Like, of course there's a fucking wheelchair we forgot on the yeah. beach. Like, of course, who, who brings a wheelchair to a beach? You can't even push them. Like, it's the dumbest thing ever. Yeah. Gotta go get that wheelchair though gotta get that wheelchair that's funny um there's also um in that dream the way you were describing it this time in particular 
made me think about all of the ridiculous adventures we've had where that's been some parallel that's had some strong parallels with what's been going on in reality. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, your reaction and Dana's reaction yeah. to the situation was just like, like textbook. Uh huh. Like the way everybody was exactly how they are in real life in the dream. And uh-huh. I'm there like frustrated with how slow everything is going. Uh-huh. And like, I'm the one who doesn't mind. Like you guys just go ahead without me. I'm going to fix this problem right now so that it's not an even bigger, more annoying problem in the future. I'll be, I'll catch up to you. Right. I'll be right, right there. Right. And just like, I just remember like manhandling the wheelchair into the trunk space of the car uh-huh. and it like, you know, magically fitting uh-huh. somehow. Sure. Um, and just like, and that's where I started laughing because it was like such a struggle to get it in the car and nobody was around but me and I wasn't mad about it. Mm-hmm. I was just laughing so hard because this is exactly, this is not at all different from a situation we would find ourselves in in real life. Sure. Yeah. Who brought the fucking wheelchair to the beach in the first place? Whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to go get it. Right. Yeah. You guys go ahead. I'm just going to go deal with this. Yeah. So funny. It also kind of reminds me of how um, like we might take a trip or there might be like a larger group thing that we're doing and the way that someone might convince us to mm-hmm. do something that later, like in at the time you're already trying to say no, but you're just not, your heart's not in it. And you're just allow them to make this decision yeah. that later affects you in ways that you're just super frustrated. Like, like I can picture the situation where we're all going to leave for the beach Yes, in the, the smart car for two, yes. like six of us six or of however us. many. Yeah, yeah. Like a, like a church van yes. full of people and their right. beach shit. Yeah. And, uh, and <laughs> like I can inflatables imagine. Inflatables that are still inflated. Exactly. <laughs> Right. Yes, exactly. Like giant unicorn donut. Yeah, we're inflatable. all we're all sitting in our chair in the smart car for two, holding our inflatable donut <laughs> or whatever. Um, but I can imagine, I can imagine someone being like, "I just look, it folds up. Can we please put my wheelchair in the back?" And you being a little bit frustrated and just being like, "Fine," and just, figuring it out, putting it in there, and off we go. And then in the end they rolled three feet into the sand in the wheelchair, decided it wasn't worth it, right. get up and fuck off and go off to the end of the pier. Yeah. And then in the end, you're the one who's like, we have to put that wheelchair back in the car. Gotta get that wheelchair back If we don't car. do it first, we're fucked. Yeah, nothing else will fit. Yeah. So. Um, oh my God. Yeah. It's so funny. And it's like, it's weird how in my dreams, my natural talents, like yeah. I can fit, I can pack 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag. I can do it. It's, yeah I'm very organized about it yeah um and i just like i was undaunted i was like oh it'll fit I, right. we just have to do it in the right order let me handle it yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, that is a I, man i really every dream beyond that has been some some sort of version of like crisis averted you know like uh-huh. now we can get on with it yeah. but it's like they're all hilarious yeah. Like at some future in some future episode, we'll dive back into that and we can talk about like the the going to hell part of that dream. Right. Like right. descending into the underworld because apparently like there's a gateway to hell in my town. Right. Um <laughs> just hanging out there. You're right. But not anyone can go into it. Only special people can go into it with special powers, which it turns out, of course, I have because it's my dream world. Sure. Um yeah. and then there's another one, um, well, of course, the getting stuck in the university building for nine months of my life. Uh. Which was like extreme excruciating like it was excruciating every night i went to sleep i was like well i know what's about to happen and Uh it's this exact same dream over and over and over again i do remember how excited you were when that was over oh my god i felt like i was let out of prison yeah i have never had a recurring dream like sometimes i have a version of the dream where i'm like oh i remember how this goes and like something small changes or like but this was just I had the sa- exact same thing. I do. I can actually relate to that. Now that you say that, I remember really? when I worked for this company in New Jersey, that was just awful. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it was such a terrible situation. I was, I was living with the boss. The boss was a friend of the family of my girlfriends. Mm-hmm. And so he'd hired me and we were living in his house and he was driving me to work every day. Is this true or part of the dream? This is true. Okay. This is true. So that part was, it was just a bad, it, it was a bad setup anyway. Mm-hmm. And I was really miserable in that job. Um, and I started having these dreams that were just, it was always at night. 
in the neighborhood we were living in. I was just outside walking around like in these trees um, that were, that were, you know, it was suburban sort of trees and sidewalks <laughs> yeah. and, you know, big, big old like oak trees or, you know, that like grow over the street. And yeah. Shit. Like maple yeah. trees and stuff and just like walking around and, and it was always at night, like really dark and depressing and, and not, not like a horror movie where you're sort of waiting to be scared. Like I knew, I knew who was pissing me off. And this guy, my boss was just there, just, just holding me down, so to speak, like not actually physically, but I was just like walking around, just feeling miserable about myself in the dream, like every night, just walking mm -hmm. around in the trees, like wishing I was anywhere else, like just leaving the house where we lived and just walking out the door, just walking down the street and him just being pissed off at me about it. Oh God. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was one of those anyway. And it was Did just it like, it was like that, like every night until I quit that job. <sighs> yeah. And then man, my life changed after that. It was so much better. Oh my um, God. Yeah. I just, I was like, Nope, can't do this anymore. I'm quitting. Usually when I have dreams, um, that have a problem to be solved, it's actually some kind of a problem I'm working on in real life. Like uh -huh. it's my, my subconscious, like hammering at the problem until, I mean, right. I've, I've woken up many times with like a solution all of a sudden. Yeah. To a problem that I hadn't previously recognized. Right, um, right. And I, uh, on many occasions, I would love to be able to turn that off, but I can't figure out how to do it. Like, my, I, I, yeah. And every once in a while, I'll come across a problem where I'm like, oh, shit. Uh -huh. Because I know as soon as I recognize the problem, I'm yeah. like, this one's going to be keeping me up at night. <laughs> right. Or like invading my dreams until I solve it. Yeah. I've tried to, um, I, so my dad, I remember growing up, uh, my dad and my stepmom talking about how he would get stuck on it. He was also a software developer. Mm -hmm. and um, He would wake up in the middle of the night with solutions to problems and like run downstairs and yes. write them down on the computer or like even like start programming. And I, there was a point in my life where I was a little bit like that. And then I've made a real conscious effort to really separate out work problems from that oh. and not like I'm not taking my clients work to bed with me. It's not, that's not okay. <laughs> right. yeah. You know, um, like personal things that I want to work on yes. or things that I'm personally interested in. And I get, it's, it's hard. Like a client problem can become that way. And I would, I started to work really hard to separate that out because I just felt like that's not, I don't, I'm not selling that time. Yeah. I don't want to. Yeah. If I want to, if I want to wake up in the middle of the night and have an epiphany about a problem I'm solved, I want it to be something very germane to my personal experience Yep. and not some software problem that someone else is going to put into yeah. production somewhere. Luckily I've never had any real like functional problems to solve in my dreams. Like yeah. they're usually of a personal nature. Yeah. Otherwise I would feel really jilted. Yeah. Well Although, that was, I was feeling that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that dream I had for nine months was about a particular problem that I just couldn't, could not see the solution to until one day it just occurred to me right. and it came very suddenly and then right. I was like, aha. And it, it worked in real life too. So yeah, there you go. Yep. Um, yeah. And, uh, the other dream that I could think of off the top of my head that takes place in this particular, like alternate reality uh -huh. zone is, um, uh, well now I just forgot. Anyway, oh, the car crash that turns into a block party. Yes, that one was like hilarious. That. Yeah, that one's a great one. So but anyway, that yeah. yeah, that one is. Uh, well, you should. I mean, you can't just drop that and not at least elaborate a little bit. The way you described it, it was like contemporary with the other things that are going on in the streamscape of the pier and the beach. Yes, and the hotel. Yeah, these are all kinds of like episodic and the, the dreams. The university that's a little bit like jail. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's like a there's a in the dream there's a lot of highways that run around like spaghetti junctions uh -huh. with you know the the ones up on posts that are elevated in the air like an elevated yes. highway and ones yeah. that are down on the ground and they're all entangled and 
um, when you're a, there's a section where you're driving across a river, which right. is a, actually a river in real life that I used to live by in Minneapolis. Yeah. Um, the Three Rivers Park District. Three Rivers actually come together under the Minneapolis St. Louis oh, okay. International Airport. Yeah. And it's really beautiful and there's yeah. like parks and everything. Um, so I think that's that's the river in my dream. Right. But the 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 construction of the freeway is not realistic at all. Right. I mean, it's again, it's like MC Usher, just like roads everywhere in all kinds of crazy directions. Impossible. Right. Like no civil engineer would build this way. Right. Right. Um, and so I was driving across the river and uh -huh. then as soon as you cross the river in the dream, there's a tunnel and you go into the tunnel. And as soon as you exit, there's like a hard right turn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean like real hard. So you're at freeway speed and then all of a sudden you're taking a hard right. Wow. Um, and you crash like yeah. because the car can't. Right. Right. You can't stay on the road. It's too right. sharp a turn. Um, and so we crash and everybody's fine, but we're like, well, this is going to be a problem for anyone who comes after us. And yeah. so we kind of like go down and as we're, as we're en route to the opposite side of the tunnel to warn people before even entering the tunnel, Hey, slow down. There's like a hairpin turn up here. Yeah. Um, the whole time we're walking to get there there are additional cars crashing into the back end of my car. And like okay. these cars are wrecked. Nobody's going anywhere. Right. And so we just start collecting people from the cars with uh -huh. us. Like, Hey, yeah, we know it just happened to us too. Come with us. We're going to warn everybody off. Yeah. And we end up with this like conglomeration of people. We walk back through the tunnel, through huh. the tunnel. There's a median when the median um, comes out the tunnel on the far side from where my car crashed. It's basically over the river. Okay. Right? Yeah. So you're either, beyond the tunnel with the crash cars in the tunnel yeah. or on the deck of the freeway that's suspended over the three rivers park district in Minneapolis Gotcha. Um, and the river Yeah. somewhere in the river just barely submerged beneath the surface is a bunch of construction material that somehow has landed down there. And okay. we spent a long time in the dream staring down at it, wondering what they were going to build with it uh -huh. and figuring out if we sure. could pull it out. Cars are crashing the whole time. Uh -huh. Some of us are not particularly uh, focused on the don't, don't let people crash Thing. Uh -huh. because it's kind of hilarious and nobody's getting hurt and like the cops show up and then they go away because they realize they can't do anything and so they just leave us you know it looks like you're doing fine warning people off on your own whatever uh -huh. cops leave great yeah. and it turns into a sort of like stone soup situation where everybody's got a bunch of shit in their wrecked cars and yeah. so we just drag everything out of the cars into the median and yeah. we're kind of like sitting there having a little party right right and we're like waving people down and of course then a bunch of people had costumes so we're all wearing costumes and like feather boas and <laughs> That's There's great. like a, a number of folding tables that have been set up with like Minnesota style potluck food with like crock pots full of meatballs and potato salad. And uh -huh. like people keep materializing with more and more food right, and right. more and more costumes. And then we've spread across both lanes of the highway. And now uh -huh. there's just like a traffic jam everywhere because people keep arriving very quickly and having to stop very quickly. Uh -huh. And we've mostly kept everybody from crashing. But now there's just this massive backup of cars uh -huh. and so we're kind of keeping like the block party area clear uh -huh. of cars so that all of the people in the cars can exit the cars and stand around together uh, because yeah, nobody's going anywhere right, right and so like there's a party inside the uh -huh. like uh inside the tunnel and uh -huh. somebody's got of course somebody materializes with like a couple of turntables so there's a fucking dj of course someone's playing music right um yeah and this all happens like in this little town in my mind. Uh, -huh. uh And it was really fun. I think I woke up really happy from that one too. Because uh, it was like yeah. a great way to spend eight hours in my head. Right. <laughs> and like a bunch of, a, again, a bunch of people we knew were there and a yeah. bunch of people we've never met were there. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> it's great. It was super fun. That was a great dream. That sounds like a really fun, fun yeah. party to go to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they had, you know, inside the tunnel are the sodium lamps. So, like, it looks kind of like a version of black and white in there because all uh, of the color yes. spectrum is uh -huh. removed except the yellow and grays. Oh, right. Um, and then outside, of course, like, everybody in costume comes into the light from the tunnel outside and they're wearing colorful clothes. and Right, right. Having a great time and... As you do at a party that's happening on the freeway. Yeah, I think a bunch of people were smoking weed in the open because the cops had left and obviously nobody was going to get in trouble for this fiasco. Uh -huh. We were just left to our own devices. That's funny. It was great. Yeah. It was a great dream. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's some of our dreams. We'll yeah. I'll tell you more as we accumulate them. Yeah, definitely. Um, <sighs> and uh, I'm sure we'll want to read or hear about other people's dreams and thoughts. Uh, you know, at some point when, yeah. we, when you feel like Tell it. Tell us your crazy dreams. Yeah. And it, 
that actually I, it occurs to me um there's not really any you know you might be listening to this podcast and it's been published a year ago or something there's no reason you can't still write in about that i don't there's nothing send us your thoughts yeah um i mean because we just don't have any real ties to timelines being real linear right now so no like it's fine if you yeah, want to bring that topic up two years from now whenever you're we're flexible yeah we're flexible we're temporarily flexible right yeah so we like liminal spaces we got to do an episode on liminal spaces i think so Ooh. i think we might want to do that soon okay yeah okay all right well thank you everyone for listening oh uh do you have any tips for living well in hell oh you know um, I think I do. I think that, I think that in a previous episode we've talked about making your own fun. Um, yeah, but really that's, that's what that dream was about was just making, making your, your own, own fun. And, right. um, you know, I think to go along with dreaming, uh, an actually practical tip for living well in hell would be like learn an alternative form of transportation besides cars. Yeah. Because, yep. I mean, cars can get you to the party, but once you're there, you got to make your own fun. And in dreams, of course, but in real life, too, flying or riding a bike or skating or skiing or sailing or any of the myriad ways of getting around are pretty pretty great, too. Yep. Um, and you can, man, your whole world can open up if you alter something as fundamental as how you get around. Yes. Yeah. And um, yep. that can make a big difference in how you, literally how you view things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you will see very different things on the same path if you're traveling at 60 miles an hour in a car versus walking on your feet. Right. Or flying overhead. Right. Or, or a bicycle or a skateboard or anything by, in between. Sailing underneath. Boat shoes. Getting, yeah, boat shoes. Skid your boat shoes around. <laughs> right. <laughs> Get those boat shoes going. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but uh, just alter alter how you do a thing dramatically or not so dramatically and it can reveal a lot of things and then you can make your own fun. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I think that's a good tip. Cool. All right. Thanks. Thanks everybody. for, thanks everybody. <laughs>